Thank you for listening to the preaching ministry of Oxford Baptist Church. We pray you'll be blessed as you apply these truths to your life. I'd like for you to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4 as we begin preaching in the Gospel of Matthew some weeks ago and continuing this morning. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. I also have the call of the disciples and companion scripture in John chapter 1, verse 35 through 42. Matthew 4, 18 and following. Would you stand, please, as we read from God's Word? While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us, and thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for Jesus Christ, who is still calling men and women and boys and girls today. And I pray, God, that when we hear the call, we'll have the courage to follow. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that uh, wonderful theologian and preacher in the cost of discipleship, had this to say. Many Christians never reach their potential because of a misconception about discipleship. Discipleship without Christ is the way of our own choosing. It may be the ideal way, but it's devoid of all promise. Jesus will certainly reject it. What he is telling us is simply this. Many of us have an idea of what it's like to follow Christ. But we need to make sure that we read the Word of God and follow Christ as He has told us and instructed us to follow. So there is a way that seems right unto man, but the Scripture said that way leads what? To death, destruction. So if you're going to be a disciple of Christ, it would behoove us to read about the Lord Jesus Christ, hear what He has to say, and apply His teachings and principles to our own life. You have the freedom to remain where you are in the old situation and exclude yourself from the faith possibility. When Jesus says, come and follow me, man, that opens up a whole awesome opportunity of a faith possibility to follow him and to make sure uh, that you take that step of faith. As a matter of fact, when Uh, I don't remember uh, the exact scene, but in the Temple of Doom, you remember the step of faith that had to be taken in order to reach the other side of the chasm? Do you remember that? Did any of you see that film? I'm not the only one, am I? You saw it. Thank you, Steve. You may come and stand beside me. But anyway... uh, uh, if, if you'll see that Steven Spielberg, in trying to figure out the step of faith, there was no bridge there, but he remembered 
that he must take that first step. And when he took that first step of faith, he landed on a bridge and absolutely materialized and went all the way across to the other side. So what I'm saying is that, man, it's hard for us to go somewhere that we don't have a complete itinerary, right? When the Lord saved you, He didn't give you a complete itinerary of where you were going and what was going to happen in your life. I remember when I went to the seminary, and I had taken language in college, but when I went to the seminary, that's a graduate school, it's another, it's another step. And I remember going to the professor's office, and I saw a cartoon on the door because he knew we were coming. And uh, it has a guy praying and said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. And in the next frame, he's standing there with his eyes open like this, holding a book. And it says, but Greek? You know, so we were all there uh, trying to ask questions and directions about where to go from there. So you just don't ever know what God's going to do with you. Amen. Uh, I tell you, when I was working with the Georgia Power Company, I never dreamed where I would go in the grace of God when he called me. I was in a little old country church. My pastor, Paul Jones, has gone home to be with the Lord now many years ago. And uh, Paul and I would have many conversations after my conversion. And uh, he said, Ronnie, I believe God's going to use you. And I didn't know what that meant. And then all of a sudden, I began to hear God in my spirit uh, saying, you know, you, you need to do this, you need to do that. And I was going, wow, this is unusual. Has God ever talked to you in your spirit and instructed you as, as to where you needed to go and things you needed to do? You know, He does. And let me tell you something. When you hear the voice of God, one theologian said, if you ever hear the voice of God, you don't have to hear it but once in your lifetime. Because it is absolutely so overwhelming and profound in your spirit uh, till you won't absolutely ever forget that. I remember when I was saved. I remember when he called me into the ministry. I remember when I went to college. I, I was really deciding to do something much differently than going to the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. I was going to be a doctor, but it was going to be a real doctor, as my daughters used to say. When talking to friends, I'd listen to them. They'd say, my daddy's a doctor, but he ain't a real doctor. <laughs> you know. And uh, I guess I wanted to be a real doctor, but God had other plans for me. And he sent me uh, to get a doctorate degree in other things like theology. <laughs> and uh, it was just an unusual adventure. I guarantee you my life has never been the same. And I'm glad. I have, I'm just, I'm just rejoicing in the places I've been and the things that God has opened up and done for me. I'm telling you, it's just unbelievable. Follow me. The faith possibility. The call to follow produces a faith situation and to stay in the old situation makes discipleship almost impossible. You just can't stay when God says go. You just can't do it. And that's the reason I've always had a problem. With, uh, that, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm a Southern Baptist through and through. I love our life. I love everything about us. But I've always had a problem with nominating committees. I really have. I believe the Holy Spirit should be the nominating committee chairman. And when you get a call to do something, you ought to do it. Amen? Amen. I'm telling you. Because Baptists, if you ask them to do something, they can come up with 1,943 excuses just like that. You know, 
I told a bunch of preachers one time that we needed as Southern Baptists to write a manual of excuses and give them to all of our church members so that we wouldn't waste time. So that when we went to them to challenge them and tell them where we needed help, instead of listening to all that excuses, they could just have their manual and uh, you could have your manual and they just look at you and say, 16, 22, 86. And you just say, well, God bless you. You know, I mean to tell you now, when God speaks, you need to listen. And not only do you need to listen, you need to go. James says it a different way, and he's a half-brother of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, when you hear the Word, what do you do? You do the Word. You know, hearing and doing are two different things. Jesus said, follow me. No program, no calculation, no agenda. Just follow me by faith. That's what has always been so amazing to me with the call of these early disciples. I mean, they had heard about Jesus, I'm sure, but they haven't followed him. They didn't know him in an intimate relationship. And he goes and says, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And the Bible says, immediately. That's just mind-boggling. They left their boats Immediately they left their nets. Can you imagine what Zebedee said when his two sons left? Whoa, where are you? Wait a minute. You know, at least finish mending the nets. And they just immediately left and followed Christ. What a faith step. Now here's what is so interesting too. Christ said, if you follow me, I'll make you to become fishers of men. You know, that means that if you don't follow him, you won't become what God wants you to be. Isn't that simple? You cannot become what God would have you to become if you don't take that faith step and follow him. Suppose when the angel appeared to Mary and said, Mary, you found favor among women with God. You're just a one. uh, And here's what's going to happen. She said, whoa, no, I don't want no part of that. You know, I thank God when Jesus called uh, in the person of the Holy Spirit through the angel. She said, okay, I don't understand it, but I'm going. I'm, I'm all in. Amen? I'm all in. Wow. Listen, uh, Moses reminds me of a Baptist. I want you to go. Wait a minute, I don't talk well. You know, I, I, uh, when I get upset, God, burning bush, I just kind of stutter. I'm just not a really articulate person. And finally, uh, God said to Moses, okay, I'll just send your brother with you. He talks well. He'll help you. You see, uh, even making excuses sometimes don't work out with God. If he wants you to do something, you're going to eventually do it. I heard one black preacher preaching one time said, God tells you to do something, you don't do it. If you look at your life because you didn't do it, you've paid a high price for not doing it. So listen, folks. The only way we can become what God would have us to be is to take that faith step, to move out when he calls. Three F's, faith, fellowship, and fellowship. Now here's three R's, response. Out of a finite situation into an infinite reality and possibility. Moving from self service to Savior service. That can only be done by the call of God 
and the faith step. So God help us when we know we should be doing and we hear that voice of God. Just do it. Amen. Just do it. Uh, I really do believe that God troubles your heart and speaks to you. I still believe that, don't you? He does me. He really does. And I know he does you. Church I was preaching, a big church. They said, Preacher, your sermons are quite understandable. We appreciate that. We know this. I said, you know what? I design every sermon just for me, and then I know it will fit everybody else. You know? I'm not here as some kind of theologian in residence to mystify you with all the languages and things I know. I'm here to open the Word of God and just simply explain it and, and exposit the Bible. Amen? And so I'm just telling you, isn't this simple? When my daddy told me to do something, I did it. And if I didn't do it, I had to pay the consequence for not doing it. And I'll tell you one thing. My daddy was a disciplinarian. And uh, when my daddy, you know, today, uh, son, would you go take out the trash? Wait a minute, i got to get finished with this game. If I'd have said that, folks, I might have still been preaching, but I'd have had a heavy lisp. You know, my response when my father told me to do something was quick. If he said, go take out the trash, my next energy was toward the kitchen. You know, no excuses. And I'm just telling you, look at the disciples. They were called, look at their response. They moved from the self-service they were doing into a whole new, absolutely awesome realm of Savior service. That's just awesome. And then you have to remember that Jesus said in the context of discipleship that you have to continually deny yourself because yourself is so strong. It really is. It still wants to come back and say, wait a minute, uh, there's another way to do this. Do it this way, that way, this way. No, do it God's way. So their response was a faith response right out of their self-service, right into Savior service. It's hard to explain, but it happened. And you know, I think it still happens today. And secondly, they had to rearrange all of their life. Their, their priorities had to change. Everything about their lifestyle changed. They were fishermen. And Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. Instead of getting up early in the morning and mending the nets and loading them on the boat and going out and fishing and casting and doing all the things that they'd done that was associated with their job and responsibility and lifestyle, for all of those years, had to change. They had to rearrange their whole life. And sometimes that's hard. Particularly the older we get, it's harder to rearrange, isn't it? It is. I've learned that. But but you just like at this wedding we went to last night, uh, they had a a real kind of young guy there doing the the wedding rehearsal. I mean the wedding ceremony and all this kind of stuff. And uh, it was very beautiful, but it was really different from what you and I have ever been associated with. It really was. And I told Linda, I said, Linda, I said it was beautiful, but it's kind of different. She said, Do you do do it live? I said, No. I said, we just uh, right now are dating ourselves, you see. And so it's hard to rearrange your life. I know it is. It's hard to step out by faith and do something different. 
To give you just a for instance, when we started changing music in the churches in Southern Baptist life, and we went to praise teams and, and this type of thing, it was kind of hard for some of you, wasn't it? It probably still is. But you have to rearrange your priorities when God calls. If you don't, you'll just stay where you are, and where you are is not going to honor God, or He wouldn't be calling you out of that situation. And then lastly, there was a resolution to a lifestyle. If you read Fox's book of martyrs, have you ever read that? I don't know whether we have a library with that in it or not, but you can get on the Internet, and you can bring up Fox, F-O-X, book of martyrs. And read about the disciples and the early church fathers. You could read about what happened to them and how they stayed the course. How they never recanted. How they stayed with Christ in their heart and on their lips and their wit- all the way to their death. Let me tell you something. They had resolution to a, that new lifestyle. I'm just going to tell you something. When you know that you know that you know, there's just not anything that man can do or this world can do to change your mind or change your heart. It's just something that is not going to happen. So they had a response. It was out of their finite situation into an infinite reality with God. And what was so interesting is he didn't give them a road map or an itinerary. And then they had to rearrange their whole life. And that's the difficulty. That's the challenge. Uh, Okay, Lord, I want to do this, but you want me to go where? Do what? I remember one time in Fort Worth, the church I pastored was about 20 minutes from seminary. And the the whole area just transitioned. And there was a man down there that opened up a uh, a trailer. We called it a trailer park. And uh, nobody wanted to go down there and do anything. I mean, when we went out knocking on doors, everybody just avoided that place like the plague. And so one night, uh, one of the men in our church, who was a commercial roofer, and just absolutely one of the most practical people I've ever met in my life, his name was Bill Dehay. He's gone home to be with the Lord, and he can make some kind of dehay dip. Uh, he can take guacamole and make it the best guacamole dip you've ever eaten in your life. As a matter of fact, I called his wife some years ago, and I said, send me the recipe for the dehay dip. Uh, Bill dehay said, hey, pastor, he said, I've been convicted about something. God's telling us that we're going by this place, and maybe we don't need to go by that place. I said, well, Bill, you go and you take some people with you and see what we can do. You know what they did? They went down there and they had kind of like a clubhouse in the middle. They talked to the proprietor of that place. And then from that time on, we had a Sunday school class down there for those people. And we had boys and girls and men and women to accept Christ out of that situation. It just rearranged your way of thinking, you know. When Jesus comes in and he plants that seed in your heart and you can begin to do Savior service and not so much self-service, you know what? You just become colorblind. You just become wide open to him writing your agenda for you. Lord, I've had an agenda and it's just kind of not like this one. So, Father God, I'm willing to do whatever, go wherever, and touch whomever. Boy, let me tell you, that's what they did. Their whole life was rearranged. Maybe that's what we have to do. I don't know. Maybe we have to rearrange everything. 
you know, you know, I I think this little church is pretty. I don't want to take the pews out and put folding chairs there. You know, I mean, we, I'm not talking about that kind of rearranging. I'm talking about rearranging your thought process, rearranging your ideas, rearranging your values, rearranging your heart. And then, then you had sticking power. Man, they had a resolution that they made in their spirit and their heart, and they just stayed with him no matter what. Do you remember the Apostle Paul when he was converted? He went to Lystra to preach the gospel. They got mad at him, drug him to the uh, city limits of Lystra and stoned him. And the Bible said left him for dead. Now, is that resolution? Listen, the disciples were looking for Paul. And they went by outside the city limits and they found old Paul over there. He was dusty and pitted where he'd been hit with rocks. And, and uh, oh, man, it was horrible. And they went over there and helped him get up, brushed him off. And they said, Paul, 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 what's happened Oh, Paul said, man, they, they just didn't like the gospel. And then they said, well, let's get out of here. And Paul headed back towards Lystra. And they said, oh, Paul, one of those stones made you cuckoo. <laughs> you know, you're going in the wrong direction, Paul. Paul said, no, I'm going back and finish my sermon. They need to hear what I have to say. Is that resolution? Do you know it don't take much for Southern Baptist to be unresolved. All you have to say is, I don't like what you got on. It just I wouldn't wear that to a dog fight. Man, we'll stay out of church six months over something like that. <laughs> Am I telling you the truth? Huh? God help us. They've got resolution in their soul. That's what we need. Listen, I, I plan to be preaching the gospel. Somebody's asked me, I've, I've got boys all over the United States of America preaching that grew up under my ministry. And they call me every once in a while. I said, I said Brother Ronnie, are you ever going to retire? I said, yeah. They said, when? I said, when I die. You know, I'd rather die preaching the gospel of Christ than anything I know, you know. I really had. Now, I like to go to the beach, you know. And I like to go to the mountains, and if you look at me, you can tell I like to go to restaurants. I mean, when you get old, there ain't too many things you got left. You know, but eating is one of the best ones. And, and I'm just going to tell you, uh, I'm resolved to do those things. I like that. And God put me with a woman that's just like, she likes the same things I like. It, it, I'm telling you, she lets me cook. You know, I, I, it's just wonderful. But I am resolved to teach the gospel, preach the gospel, read the gospel. I'm just resolved to just keep on keeping on till Jesus calls me home. And I think if you have that kind of resolution, we can change this whole way of living. We can change our life. You know it? Have you ever looked around and said, I don't know what's happening, but where's so-and-so and so-and-so? You know, my, we did that when I was growing up in the church. And my daddy had a group of people he took out on Sunday night. And what they did is they went through the Sunday school rolls and found people that hadn't been to Sunday school in like three or four months. And they would cook a little small meal and, and a pie or something like And they'd just go knock on the door Sunday afternoon about 5.30. Because did you know that most people in America are at home on Sunday night? So if you want to go visiting, you want to find somebody at home, go on Sunday night. 
And they, they said, what is it? What? I, we have been in church having services, and Daddy would bring people in to come in and repent and pray at the altar and ask the church to forgive them. And this, I'm telling you, it was a wonderful ministry. When he went home to be with the Lord, he said, Where? come back, Daddy. You know? Uh, he liked to broker us at First Baptist Snellville. We used to furnish Bibles and tracts for him. And we'd have a storage room. We'd get him off the truck. And it wouldn't be no time he'd be back petitioning for more tracts. And I said, Dad, are you throwing them in the sewer? Or what are you doing with all these things? You know, oh, listen, folks. Uh, we just got to resolve to just keep on keeping on. Amen? Just keep on keeping on. Keep on walking. Keep on following. Present active indicative. I like that. Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Peripateo. Just keep on keeping on. Amen? Oh, I like to push this thing over. Listen, if we stay in the old situation, we're just not going to see anything new happen. It's just not going to happen. So we have to be resolved to follow the Lord Jesus. I'll give you a quick test of whether the cross is up to date in your life or not. Uh, has there ever been a time in your life when you were more excited about God than you are now? Has there ever been a time in your life when you were more active in doing things that you know were godly, that, that were just absolutely touched people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, than now? Well, if, it, if you do and it ain't now, you need to repent. Rededicate your life. Be resolved that you're just going to get happy again in the Lord. Amen? Is that difficult? I don't think so. Secondly, discipleship commitment. Now listen to this. We have to have that faith possibility and then discipleship commitment. One writer said this, A disciple is one who takes the teachings and principles of another and applies it to their own life. That's a good definition for a disciple. But you can be a disciple of, of uh, something that's not holy with that same definition. But we are to be a disciple and follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, but hereunto are you called to what? Follow. What did Peter tell us to do? Follow in his steps. We're not called to follow some kind of doctrinal system. We're not called to follow some kind of creed we're called when jesus said follow me he is the ultimate authority and the creator of the world he's the creator of the universe that's who we're following man that's a good one to follow amen and you know listen to this in conclusion we got the lord's i forgot about the lord's supper that's why god moved the pulpit let me see it you know (laughs) so he said okay ronnie that's enough they can take just so much. Listen, suppose Matthew hadn't left the tax collector's booth when God called him. You know, if he hadn't left the tax collector's booth, Jesus could have come to him and uh, in times of trouble, but he wouldn't have been the kind of disciple that he, he turned out to be. Suppose Peter uh, had stated his own situation. Suppose there was no conversion experience on the road to Damascus. Jesus could have been continually an uh, enemy to Judaism and a famous character in history. But you know what? 
when Jesus called his disciples, they did something that you and I did and that we need to remember. They left. They followed. <laughs> they just followed. Amen. They did. I have people calling me all the time, Brother Ronnie, so and so and so and so and so and so. Do you have a scripture for that? I say, yeah, I do. You know, uh, listen, folks, God's word to us is not incomplete. And it's not really difficult. You know, the Bible says that uh, pertaining salvation, uh, a wayfarer, somebody that don't even have any education, can understand how to be saved. Because it's the Spirit of God that convicts their heart. It's the Spirit of God that comes into their life. I'm telling you. It's just awesome when you're resolved to follow Him. It's exciting. It really is. Uh, he's taken me places I would have never gone otherwise and didn't have the money to go. But somehow it worked out. Can you say amen to that? Yeah. I mean, he's told, go here, go there, do this. They go, what? Yes. You know, I've, I've, I've had opportunities to preach in the jungles of Brazil. As a matter of fact, I'm going to bring Chucky here one Sunday and let him talk to you. Chucky, uh, I was with his dad. I did his dad's funeral, uh, Christian Missions Unlimited. We've built 319 churches along the Amazon in Brazil. You know, you know any other people or organization doing that? No. Uh, have you, I've, been, I've laid bricks. I've been in the jungles. I'll tell you what, man. I've been down into the Real Negra, which is the Black River that runs into the Amazon. I've been the one that they put in the water because I, I was indispensable because I wasn't a real big good bricklayer. And if something ate me, I, they figured they could lose me. And I, I dipped the buckets and had a whole lot of buckets, and I started the chain going up the hill so that we could put them in the big barrels up there and mix cement. And I, I, you, you can really recount your life when you're down in a place that far back in the woods, about up the here in a river that you don't know what's down there, but you know piranhas down there for one thing, and caiman and other things. And uh, oh, they have big fish down there. Uh, they got one, Piatoku. It's one of the largest freshwater fish in the world. Piatal coos are huge. As a matter of fact, the natives take and take the scales off the piatal coo and dry it out. And that's what the ladies use for fingernail files in the jungles. That big fish. You know, I sit there like that. Oh, God. Oh, God. Let me get through putting this bucket full of water up. Let me get out of here. And then I happened to hear people laughing, and I looked up, and there was a whole family over there that had come out of the jungle taking a bath, and they were as naked as they were the day they were born. <laughs> and they said, come, come, come. Benaki, 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 come here, come here, come here. And I went, no, thank you. <laughs> you know. But they were just such a happy family, bathing in where I was over there worried about getting bit. You know, and... Uh, I'm just telling you, God is so good. Isn't he so good? Man, he'll take you to places you've never been before and, and, and just let you do things that you could never dream possible. It's just awesome. He puts you on a parking lot over here witnessing. You know, he could, he could just sit us. Oh, it's just wonderful. Amen. 
I'm praying this morning, if you're here and, and uh, God calls you in any way, that you'll listen to Him and that you'll follow Him. It's an adventure. Like, oh, listen, Jesus rescues. It's just an adventure that's just absolutely amazing. That's why we sing Amazing Grace. Amen. We pray God will use this message for His glory in your life. If you would like more information, please feel free to contact us at info at OxfordBaptistChurch.com. Oxford Baptist Church is located in Oxford, Georgia. If you're close, we'd love to meet you.